It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Rising sea levels, extreme weather patterns, extinctions of species. Our planet needs protecting. I'm Adam Vaughan, the Environment Editor for The Times, and this is Planet Hope from The Times, in partnership with Rolex and its Perpetual Planet Initiative. In this podcast, we hear from leading experts from around the world who are committed to finding solutions. These explorers, scientists, entrepreneurs, and citizens are committed to a common goal, to protect our home, Earth. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, this is the Red Box Podcast. I'm Matt Chorley, bringing you the rest of my Times Radio show. You can listen live Monday to Friday, 10 till 1. I'm at the Conservative Party Conference in Manchester, although they are now slightly dismantling it all around me. Rishi Sunak's done his big speech. And so I am ending this long-running saga. I am cancelling the rest of the HS2 project. And in its place, we will reinvest every single penny, £36 billion in hundreds of new transport projects in the North and the Midlands across the country. This means £36 billion of investment in the projects that will make a real difference across our nation. We'll have a chat about that in just a moment. Then, is it enough to save his skin? If it isn't, it might be his last as well as his first speech to the party conference as leader, depending on when the election is next year. So we take a look at the shadow leadership race, which already appears to be up and running. But first, a big, big moment for Rishi Sunak. Is all of this enough to change uh, the course of politics, the course of the polls, and get the Conservatives back in the race? It was a long speech, about an hour long, introduced, interestingly, by his wife, Fikshata Murthy. Nobody was expecting that. He outlined what he called his mission to fundamentally change our country and his personal values of service, family and work. Three big policies in there. Uh, Increasing the smoking age by one year every year, meaning a 14-year-old today will never legally be sold a cigarette. Advanced British standards, that's going to be the new A-levels and T-levels. The 18-year-olds will take uh, advanced British standards. And that big policy on scrapping HS2 from Birmingham to here to Manchester... Uh, but I promise that all £36 billion set aside for that project will be spent on other transport projects. He was firing the starting gun on the 2024 general election campaign, attacking Keir Starmer as the walking definition of the 30-year political status quo that I am here to end. In a moment, we'll hear from two cabinet ministers. But first, the instant reaction from Times Radio's Patrick McGuire. Patrick, a, a long speech a big message that he's the man to sort out actually years of Tory as much as Labour failure. That is the key contradiction between Rishi Sunak's rhetoric and the record he is running against because he is not a likely change candidate. Boris Johnson might have been able to get away with running hard against the records of his predecessors. Rishi Sunak, not exactly the embodiment of anti-establishment politics, but that is the pitch 
he is making and the big test for Rishi Sunak well, there's a big test for the Labour Party which is how it responds to this but the bigger test for Rishi Sunak is whether he can make that change message convincing yeah and uh, Patrick let me just uh, jump in there I've got Kate McCann Times Radio's political editor who's in the hall how did it go down with you Kate? Yeah, I think, look, people were looking for the real side of Rishi Sunak in this speech. We did get some of that. A lot of the talk about how he's experienced, you know, race in this country, I think, was the most personal element of the speech. A really interesting decision to choose his wife as his warm-up act, of course. I think there was a, a sort of sense in the hall that that started to go down well, and then there were a few questions about whether it was the wisest move to open in that way. But I think the reality is Rishi Sunak needed to come here and give an indication of what underpins every decision he makes. And while he talked about education now being the focus for his time in office I'm not sure we've come away with anything that was more significant than what we had had before and I think there will be some left wondering what is that thread because we still don't quite have it it's interesting so we've got an education policy a transport policy and a health policy they don't really hang together one is taking uh, uh, you know you've got the, the cancelling of HS2 and spending the money elsewhere some of it being money spent we think on projects that had previously been cancelled a not very conservative banning of smoking, uh, which actually the IEA, the think tank, the Liz Trust fan club think tank, have already come out and condemned. So small C conservatives might be uh, uh, upset about that. And then, yeah, the, the, the overhaul of A-levels. It doesn't all sort of hang together as a, as a message. No, and I think that central message was really important today. People wanted to understand what are the values. And as Rishi Sunak talked about service, family and work being the key values that he is going to govern by. But as you say, some of those policies don't necessarily work in that context. And I think we're still looking for what is that thread? You know, that education may well be part of it, but is it enough to translate? Hello there, I'm from um, Times Radio. Can I ask you about the speech? Brilliant. It was the most powerful thing I think I've ever seen and heard. Is it? It was. His wife getting up to start it off, that was powerful in itself. But Gordon Brown tried that in 2008 and lost two years later. That's not enough to shift the polls, is it? No, definitely not. He's, what he's just done, those three massive things he's just done, that's going to help so many people. His cancer touches so many families, it, it, that's so powerful. But Penny Mordaunt as well, just marvellous, so strong. So. Would you rather she was Prime Minister? Not at the moment. I'm the moment. delighted with Rishi at the moment. Absolutely. Uh, good to speak to you. I mean, it's always going to go down when the people we're catching coming out of, uh, of the hall right now, Kate. Um, do you think uh, Rishi Sunak, we haven't heard yet from Andy Street, do you think he's done enough to keep Andy Street from resigning as West Midlands Mayor? I've been trying to get a hold of Andy Street's team to figure out exactly where they stand here. And of course, there was a personal message to Andy Street in that speech from the Prime Minister urging him to work with Rishi Sunak, trying to deliver this network for the North. I think the big question, Matt, is this is a redistribution of £36 billion, which actually hasn't really been announced yet or budgeted for. A lot of these projects are not in the North and the Midlands. They are in the rest of the country. And some of it has been announced previously and is already underway. So we need the detail of that. We're about to go and get that. We'll, of course, bring you all more on Times Radio this afternoon when we have the full details of that policy. Ab absolutely right. It's Matt Jolly, right outside the uh, main conference hall in Manchester, uh, live here on uh, Times Radio. Um, 
Mel Stride, uh, Matt, you're live on Times Radio, so don't swear. Uh, okay, the Working no, Painters section. What, what did you make of the speech? I thought it was absolutely brilliant. I think it's bold. I think it's breaking new ground. I think it's taking a long-term view. I think it's radical. I think it's is it changed. enough to turn around a 20-point uh, Labour lead in the polls? I think it's going to be really important to demonstrating to the British people that we are the party for change. Gone are the old ways of doing things. We're looking. Isn't the problem that all the old ways of doing things were Conservative Prime Ministers for the last 13 years? There's been a position over the last 30 years. Yeah, the last 13 years have been the Conservative the Prime Minister. The last 30 years, which is what the Prime Minister was talking about. That just means you include John Major right. in the problem. So John he's Major, David Cameron, we're, Theresa we're, May, I'm Boris Johnson, Liz Truss, were they all the problem? Matt, we've got to look to the future, and that's what this speech was about. This is about a new, bold, radical way of addressing the, the challenges we've got. Now, look at HS2 as a decision. We're suddenly getting opportunities now all over the country on the transfer. In my area in Devon, we're going to be looking at extending that railway line from Tavistock down to Plymouth. You'll, you'll, get, you'll get a share of that catch. Well, that, that's, that's in the plan, and that is just fantastic. There's something that we're spreading out here right across the country that's real opportunity. It's rational, it's sensible, it's bold. And I know not everybody's going to like that, but I think it's the right thing for the country, and we're going to get our message across. Mel Stride, really good to see you. Welcome, Thank Patriot you. Thanks for joining us on Times Radio. Michael Gove. Michael. Hello. Michael, hi. Oh, hi, Matt. So on Times Radio, so your daily appearance on Times Radio. Uh, very did, nice to see what you. What did you make of the speech? I thought it was fantastic, actually. Of course you did. Of course you did. Do you worry that he spent most of the speech trashing the record of the Conservative government that you've been sitting in? No. The last 13 years have been a mess, apparently. Well, we need change. The country recognises that. And the Prime Minister has made a series of decisions for the long term, courageous decisions, that make sure that we're in a better position to help our children succeed, a better position to deal with preventable disease within the NHS and also a better position to provide the transport infrastructure within and between towns and cities in the North and Midlands. Is it all enough to turn around a, la a Labour 20-point lead in the polls? I didn't know that Labour had a 20-point lead and it certainly won't after that. Well, we'll wait and see. Mark, good to see you. Thanks Lovely so much for that. You, good to see you. Thank, Thank you. you. Right, that was a lot of fun chasing around after ministers. Up next on the Red Box podcast, the shadow leadership race that's already underway. You're listening to the Red Box Podcast now. Start with this. The Big Thing on Times Radio. Rishi Sunak makes his first party conference speech as leader. But could it be his last? If the polls are right and he loses the next election, there could be someone else addressing the party faithful in 2024. But who will that be? Well, let's take a, a look at the, the leadership race, which is already well underway. Many people think, anyway. Uh, with the political editor of the Daily Express, Sam Lister. Sam, good to see you. Yeah, great to be here with you, Matt. Well, you say that, it'd be better <laughs> to be anywhere rather than at conference. And, <laughs> you love it. <laughs> and uh, Yeah, I do, actually. It's nice. And uh, Scarlett McGuire from JL Partners. Scarlett, how are you? I'm all right, thanks, yeah. So, before we talk about the runners and riders who might replace Richard Sinek, do we think he is more or less secure at the end of this conference than he was at the beginning? I feel like he's actually more secure. I think the, the, even though you've had quite big rallies by uh, the, the different factions on the right, there hasn't really been any major trouble for him. He's, quite, he's had quite a straightforward conference. I mean, it might be a little duller than last year's conference, but he will definitely take that as a major win. So I think he's, I mean, I certainly know that for speaking to people close to him, he's feeling pretty relaxed. And, uh, you know, if you look at the people who have caused trouble, those who've signed letters like Sir Jake Berry, 
um, they think well you know he's a regular trouble cause it's not it's not new people joining that gang so they feel quite relaxed about it is he right to feel relaxed Scarlett given that as he comes up to marking a year as Prime Minister and Tory leader everything that he's done none of it's really shifted either the headline polls the Tories or his own personal reputation yeah, I mean, I definitely wouldn't be feeling relaxed if I was him, I think, whatever the situation. But um, I think it is quite interesting. Obviously, there's quite a lot of excitement this week. And I think it's a case of the expectations were so low going into this conference that actually even quite a reasonable atmosphere is being taken to be sort of a sign of a great revival. I think that and the fact that we may be seeing movements in the polls, I think it is a bit too early to see. But um, there are indications they might be narrowing off the back of some of the announcements about net zero and motorists and all the rest of it. Um, so I think relaxed is not quite... The the right word but um, maybe a little bit optimistic more optimistic than he was expecting to feel okay let's talk about some of the the beauty parades the shadow leadership contest which has been uh, unfolding it feels to me a little bit i will come to some of the specifics in a moment it feels to me a little bit like as you were just saying sam nobody's really taken off in the way that they might have hoped at yeah. this conference and also actually what's quite interesting we were just discussing in our team nobody's mentioned Boris I mean yeah. it's quite interesting actually none of those uh, factions uh, uh, talking about him at all it's, it, he's well and truly in the past now as far as the party is concerned here today but yeah the, the trouble cause the trouble mischief makers let's, let's put it that let's be polite the mischief makers <laughs> <laughs> um, they haven't really had a big win so I think um, yeah you haven't seen anybody kind of become I mean obviously we saw last year Michael Gove dropped a bomb at the start of yeah. that conference and that led to the uh, the demise of Liz Truss's premiership it, it, it set that in course didn't it we haven't seen anything like that this like this year so yeah may, maybe the, it's Rishi Sunak learned the lesson that you have the clever operators in the cabinet very true Grant Chaps <laughs> last year going around with his phone showing everybody's spreadsheet yeah Michael Gove uh, you know actually having them all in inside the tent in the means tent, that they're not yeah. against it. okay let's work our way through them then Number one on manoeuvres, ticking the belly of the party faithful. It has to be Suella Bravman. The wind of change that carried my own parents across the globe in the 20th century was a mere gust compared to the hurricane that is coming. Because today, the option of moving from a poorer country to a richer one is not just a dream for billions of people. It is an entirely realistic prospect. So, what do the public think of Swella Barman? Yeah, I think that's Scott. a great question because obviously um, she is, you know, she's not the most popular but she is relatively popular amongst Tory members we know as much and obviously she's doing quite a lot of signalling to them I think this week um, but there's, I think Suella is the um, the biggest discrepancy between what the public think and what the members think and this is something we see time and time again I mean not least with Liz Truss um, but with the public she is incredibly uh, unpopular, she's incredibly divisive and I think actually that's not just because some of her rhetoric which there's a lot, been a lot of attention on actually the public is a little bit more behind that rhetoric than a lot of people might like to think um, but I think the main problem is is the delivery and we saw Pretty Patel had a problem here too being a home secretary when you're not able to um, you know do her sort of basically her biggest mission stop the boats or whatever you might think uh, and it's all been a bit of a, um, a sort of shambles I think that's what's actually potentially damaging her more on top of the then sort of divisive and controversial language that she uses. Sam I've been quite surprised on the doing the radio show this week how easy it's been to get Tory MPs and ministers to be pretty rude about Swell and the speech she did last week on 
multiculturalism and this slight sense she's, she's overreached. Uh, it's certainly not language I would use, Matt, and I certainly do not support the things that she said yeah. about multiculturalism. He's trying to pick a fight with folks who are just going around living their ordinary lives. He's trying to distract people from the fact that he's a failed Home Secretary, bluntly. And actually it makes some people agree with him on quite a lot of the stuff. I spoke to one cabinet minister who said, you know, I'm pretty right wing, but I know, like, she's gone a bit far. She's gone from repeating the sort of stuff that pe normal people would think on the doorstep to making those people feel now a bit squeamish. There are people in Cabinet who do get very irritated by the fact that Suella Braverman has the ability to suck all the uh, attention in her direction, let's put it that way. She had a big speech in Washington last year, last week that caused uh, obviously a, a lot of coverage in the newspapers. And then she's had another big speech at conference where she again draws all the attention away. There's, you know, there's so many speakers here this week and yeah, it's always all about Suella and that obviously causes jealousies and rivalries and all that kind of stuff. There are people who do feel definitely squeamish about the kind of language she uses and that is true. But I think actually with Suella, what's, what you what you can see if you are covering this uh, day in, day out is she is incredibly, incredibly shrewd when it comes to positioning, positioning herself with the party, with the MPs who are going to be voting in that leadership election whenever it comes. And she has built up an incredibly strong base among the common sense group, the new conservatives, and that, uh, they're a very powerful group uh, in the party. They uh, encompass uh, all the Red Wallers and some of the other um, kind of more right of the party yeah. people. And they are very, very powerful. They are, she, she basically now is their woman. Uh, Kemi, last year, this time last year, it was a split between Kemi and Suella to win over that gang, but they've definitely gone behind Suella. Well, let's move on now and talk about our next contender, the business secretary, Kemi Badenoch. I tell my children that this is the best country in the world to be black because it is a country that sees people, not labels. So Scarlett, what, if anything, do the public think or know about Kemi Badenoch? Uh, yes, I think that's a good question. I mean, she broke through a little bit more with the Tory leadership contest last year, but still not an awful lot. And that's actually something of a problem when we poll cabinet members with the public. Most of the time, a lot of people just haven't heard of them. Suella actually is an exception to that. Quite a lot of people have heard of Suella, but it's not necessarily always a good thing. Um, but uh, Kemi cuts through more than some. So I think cuts through more than someone like Tom Tuggenhart, for example. Uh, and again, people are, people are quite split. Um, I think not anywhere near as much as Suella. And again, I think that's partly because she's not tainted by her sort of record in quite the same way whereas even if you agree with Suella you might still want to sort of um, you still might not think very well because you don't think she's delivering on it where Kemi I think doesn't have quite that same problem. Now we had Michael Gove on the show yesterday and I reminded him that he once said during the last leadership contest that Kemi Badenoch was the future of the party. Let's take a listen. Well I, I, I think Kemi's great absolutely brilliant outstanding minister uh, the party took a, a, a view uh, we now have Rishi as our Prime Minister now, Sam Michael Gove may well still think he's right and he may well think that if there is a contest next time he's clearly not on the same wing of the party as Suella and there will be a battle if there is an Egypt contest with the Tories in opposition over does the party lurch the right as parties tend to whether they go into opposition they lurch to their extreme or is there a sort of more centrist character uh, and Kemi seems to be the front runner for that role? She, she's, she's trying to straddle two camps. Yeah. She's trying to be the, look, I am the um, more centrist version 
Um, well, not version, obviously, well, but I am, I'm more centrist, but I also still have those right-wing instincts. Yeah. So it's, it's quite a tricky message to land that, isn't it? Because Suella just goes to, uh, to you know, the common sense group and absolutely speaks their language and, and can win them over very, very easily. Kemi, she's trying to win over the One Nation gang, which are the very moderates uh, in the centre, the, the kind of left of the party. And... Trying to trying to win the, both of those over is, is a very tricky thing, and I, I don't quite know if she's landing it yet. Um, but yeah, she, that, I mean that's that's how she's trying to position it. She's also she's kept a very low profile. She doesn't do any media interviews. It's very rare that you ever see her do a press interview. Obviously, she did one in the Sunday Times this week. That's the first one she's done in a long time. Yeah. Uh, you don't often see her out on the airwaves. Uh, you know, I don't think her profile is quite where it needs to be if she is going to make that leadership. Matt Jolly coming to you from the Conservative Party Conference in Manchester ahead of Rishi Sunak's big speech, rounding off his first party conference as leader. We're asking, will it be his last uh, if there is a general election next year? And as the polls suggest, uh, he loses. He could be out. There could be another party leader addressing the party faithful in 12 months' time. Who will it be? Well, we've already taken a look at Cammy Badenoch and Swella Barthman. I'm still joined by uh, Sam Lister from the Daily Express and Scarlett McGuire from JL Partners. Let's turn our attention now to someone who, who actually in the past has probably had a talent for making more mischief than she has in this one, is Penny Morton. The Prime Minister is not uh, under a desk as the... <laughs> she uh, ran for leader before. Uh, she was the star of the coronation. Uh, she caused all kinds of havoc at the party conference last year when she was in the Cabinet. She basically came on the show and uh, blew everything up by calling for a whole range of things, rating benefits in line with inflation and all sorts. Um, she's been quite well behaved at this conference. What's, what's she up to? Well, she clearly seriously thinks she has a chance this time oh, around. Oh, yes. that's why she's been better so she's behaved. she's been very well behaved. Interesting. Um, I think that the key thing now, isn't it, if you are, um, if you are pitching yourself as a sensible, moderate uh, type of conservative, you have to remain loyal yeah. at this point. Um, and, so, and she's been very well behaved, as you say, Matt. She, um, she now, I mean, obviously we will, I'm sure, hear more about the polling on this, but she is one of the few members of the Cabinet who now actually is actually recognised by members of the public, uh, which is quite a rare thing. Um, and believe when she fills up her car now with petrol, she gets stopped. So, you know, it's a whole different level of fame now for Penny Morden, which actually gives a great advantage. But ultimately, you know, she is still um, somebody who has tried and failed to win over MPs. And so she, she has to work out where she went wrong last time and how to switch that message yeah. and pitch to, um, to them if she's got a serious chance of making it next time around. Scarlett, what's uh, Penny Mordaunt's public? Yeah, well, I mean, I think especially post-coronation, we actually polled uh, cabinet members over the summer to have a sense of some of the runners and riders, and um, she came out top. She was the most popular, although actually I think I should rephrase that. She was the least unpopular because actually everyone was in everyone was in negative territory. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but she still came out by far the best, and actually I think, yeah, I think the coronation was a huge boost to her. Good That's really like interesting, it. that. Uh, what about Pretty Patel? In the 1970s and 80s, we faced colossal economic challenges back then. And the solution was not more socialism or greater state control. In fact, the solution was Margaret Thatcher, as we all know. When she left Boris Johnson's cabinet, she uh, sort of went into hiding. She just sort of disappeared. But she's come back now. She's been quite busy at this conference, whether it's been, you know, calling for uh, no more tax rises or horrifyingly singing can't take my eyes off you with Nigel Farage. Um, she's sort of back 
is she inching back into the game do you think so I think so I think with with Pretty Patel I think she what she is trying to do is make herself um, a kind of Suella for the blue wall if you will so she wants to kind of keep hold of those grandees so obviously you've got the RDSs and all those kind of people she wants to pitch to that side of the party um, and, and you've got to kind of think about what happens at the election if they lose a lot of the red wall yeah, it's a, yeah. which MPs are actually going to be voting for the next leader um, so she's focusing on those kind of traditional Shire Tories uh, who are quite right wing but not in the same um, boombastic way that yeah, Suella yeah. is being so she, that, that's where she's coming from on this and I think it really depends on which seats go and I've heard different accounts from different cabinet ministers some are very concerned about the blue wall some are more concerned about the red wall some, some think that actually the red wall is, is much safer than people think and it is those kind of Lib Demi uh, seats where they're going to lose things but it, that, that, that will determine who wins the right you know that right wing vote in the party um, It's really interesting that Scarlett yeah. the, the, the political makeup of the internal Tory party post election will play a big part in who ultimately... And actually, that's often why, if a party is reduced to a sort of lump, that's why it would often retreats to its to its extreme. Yeah, fascinating, especially when you look at... Um, I mean, the names that we're all very familiar with, people like Jeremy Hunt. I mean, it, it, their seats don't look anything like safe either. You talk no. about the Red Wall MPs, but actually it's sort of... Um, it's anybody's guess at the moment who might be left over. OK, let's some other names then. James Cleverly. It is more important than ever that we engage with China. China presents a challenge to uh, our values and some of our principles, but I, of course, will bring up the areas where we disagree. He's gone from being a man who loved chatting nonsense with journalists to being absolutely stum in most occasions. Um, he's clearly tried to grow into his sort of foreign secretary role and an elder statesman and an international uh, man of mystery. Um, it's been suggested to me that he might come through the middle as the candidate that nobody really dislikes. Which is, you know, he could be the new John Major, couldn't yeah, he? Yeah. He could be that, that person that, you, you know, you have the anyone but Suella or the anyone but Pretty and James cleverly comes through the middle. I think the thing with James is, as you say, you know, he, he's always um, been quite friendly to the press uh, in past years, but he understands how to communicate and how to land a message. That's really key in a leadership fight. If you want to um, win people over, then you have to be charming and you have to communicate well your vision. And I think he really ticks those boxes. And also so now he is Foreign Secretary, he is flying around the world, he is uh, engaged in very serious diplomatic negotiations, you know, that enhances his status, uh, it gives him some gravitas and I think he is actually uh, a very serious contender. Yeah, I mean, I think just like being Home Secretary is a bit of a kiss of death for popularity ratings to the public, being Foreign Secretary is a, you know, tends, tends to go pretty well for people. Uh, I think a lot of the people don't really know who he is, even with Foreign Secretary, even with the war in Ukraine. There's still not an awful lot of cut through. But actually, amongst people he do know, both members and public, he's, he's pretty popular. And actually, not being known and not coming with loads of baggage and looking fresh, there's, you know, there's something in that. Which is a skill, given he's been here for he the last few years. Time, you know, yeah. 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 Rising without trace. Um, uh, two, two names to, to, to conjure with, finally. Uh, Liz Truss. Let's stop taxing and banning things. Let's make Britain grow again. 
Oh, Sam, Liz. that's very disloyal. If you no, 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 no. And obviously, is, is she? Express, we just did like Liz, yes. and you know, and she, um, she clearly we um, did support her initially. So, I, I, you know, I'm not going to pretend that uh, <laughs> we didn't. Um, but I think even even Liz Truss surely has to acknowledge that her time has been and gone. I mean, her intervention yesterday would suggest otherwise, but uh, I, I don't think anybody genuinely would ever go down that road again. No, I mean, you've seen this from our focus groups with you, Matt. She's the butt of everyone's jokes yeah, still. still. I mean, it's not it, yeah, it's not a great place to be, I don't think. Well, mention the focus groups, Gary. Uh, in our most recent focus group, uh, your colleague, James Johnson, asked, is there anyone else who could be Tory leader? So let's take a listen to what the group had to say. I don't know why I'm saying this, really, but I think maybe is it Ben Wallace. He, he just came across as being at least somebody that you would listen to. I think he came from a military background as well, so... Uh, I always quite liked Pretty Patel. I didn't necessarily agree with her, but if we're just focusing on maybe like strength of leadership. I remember thinking that I liked Tobias Elwood, um, but he never ran as far as I can remember. But I think, um, I think, yeah, Penny Morden now somehow seems better to me than she did. So, Tobias Elwood. Uh, <laughs> is Tobias, I mean, we talk about Cutsley. <laughs> Um, people normally complain that our focus groups are a bunch of Charlies who don't know anything about anything and very low awareness and they don't know what's going on. Somebody suggested that Tobias Elwood could be Tory leader. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we, we've never felt the need to poll Tobias Elwood, so I'm not quite sure know. what. No, it might, might maybe, maybe it's a great, it's a great idea. Yeah. What, what does this person know that the rest of us don't? I mean, I'm very interested. Maybe they liked his. Maybe it was his, the um, stuff on Afghanistan. Yeah, his, they, maybe yeah. they liked his sort of place in the sun travel advert for going to Afghanistan. I mean, I, I think just genuinely on Tobias, I think the, the Afghanistan video where um, he seemed to paint a rosy picture of life under the Taliban um, has done him such incredible damage. I mean, his colleagues are, were furious about yeah. that. I mean, the level of anger over that, I can't even begin to really properly um, put over. So I think, you know, I don't think it's, I don't think Tobias and is going to make it. It's quite remarkable, actually, for someone who served in the forces, yeah. Um, yeah. was praised for trying to save... Yeah, yeah, and he genuinely was, a, you know, outside, heroic... Yeah. Outside Parliament yeah. during the... Um, he ran to danger when everyone else yeah, was whenever around, around, yeah. yeah, you know, literally had blood on him yeah. afterwards. Yeah. Very highly respected, yeah. chairing the Defence and yeah. Equity. It's quite... It takes some skill to undermine yourself. Yeah. Maybe him and Liz could run on a joint ticket. <laughs> so, uh, before I let you both go, because uh, Rishi Sunak's speech is coming up, uh, let's make a prediction. Who's going to be the next leader of the Tory party? Sam? Um, I think it comes down to Suella or James Cleverley. Right. No, I was going to say James Cleverley, so that's it. Oh, boy, there we are. Yeah. And that's all we've got time for on today's episode of the podcast and all we've got time for from Manchester. We'll be back with the podcast tomorrow and we'll be in Liverpool for the Labour Party next week as well. But from now, from me, Matt Chorley, it's goodbye.